0: Turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 1. Next, you'd have it up on the screens as well if you want to look on the screens. Matthew chapter one. Just want to reread some selected portions. Some of this we read, and the ladies read to us earlier. But Matthew chapter one, verse twenty-two. Let's stand together for the reading of God's word. Matthew chapter one, verses twenty-two through twenty-two and twenty-three. Let's back up just a little bit so you have a little bit more context. Um, Let's go to 21 then. Matthew chapter 1, 21 through 23. Uh, Let's read this in unison. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of by the Lord prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is interpreted as God is with us. Our common link in these little passages is... uh, the phrase, that it might be fulfilled or so that it was fulfilled. That's our first one. Our second one is uh, chapter 2, verses 4 through 6. Chapter 2, verses 4 through 6 in unison. And And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. And then thirdly, In uh, Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 through 15, 13 through 15, that was, uh, we just read our second portion, which was um, uh, the fulfillment of uh, something that was previously predicted. Again, in chapter 2, verse 13, read in, in unison, and when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee into Egypt, and be thou there until I bring thee word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night, and departed to Egypt, and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled." which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. Fourth example will be in Matthew chapter 2, verses 16 through 18. It's actually the very next verse from what we just read. But just wanted to um, um, differentiate and acknowledge the fact that this was another example of the same thing we're looking at here. The fulfillment of prophecy. Verse 16. Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wroth, and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and in all the coasts thereof, from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. Then it was fulfilled. That which was spoken by Jeremy the prophet, saying, In Ramah was there a voice heard, Lamentation and weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, And would not be comforted because they are not. And finally, in Matthew chapter 2, Again, it's another very next verse, but 19 through 23 is our fifth example of the fulfillment of the things previously predicted um, through God by men. Verse 19, But when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, take the child and his mother, and go into the land of Israel, for they are dead, which sought the young child's life. And he arose and took the young child and his mother and came into the land of Egypt, Israel, sorry. Uh, When he heard that Archelaus did reign in Judea in the room of his father Herod, he was afraid to go thither. Notwithstanding, being warned of God in a dream, he turned aside into the parts of Galilee and he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. Dear God, thank you for the Bible, thank you for um, the, just the otherworldliness of this book, even to the ability to predict the future. God, just um, write these things on our hearts and to our understandings that, that we may Uh, put our trust and confidence in you and walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Uh, Really simple message that I'd like to share with you today, uh, consistent of the following three simple points. Are you ready? All right. Number one, really simple here. Christmas was predicted ahead of time. It is a fulfillment of biblical prophecy. That is future predictions made in the Bible that were subsequently fulfilled. That's my first point. Christmas was predicted ahead of time in the Bible. (laughs) Point number two. The Bible has other predictions about the future. That have not happened yet. Point number three. We should believe that they will happen. And we should get really excited. And take great confidence in them. And in God in general. Yeah. Those are my three points for this morning. And I called this uh, this this message. I don't know if you had the phrase. You know Christmas is coming. You know did your mom and dad ever say that to you. You know they might have wanted you to. Uh, um, be good or something, or, you know, Christmas is coming. Well, this is called Christmas was a coming. Christmas was a coming. So point number one, I mentioned, Christmas was predicted ahead of time. It's a fulfillment of uh, biblical prophecy, predictions that were made in the Bible about things that would happen in the future. And we've read those examples together in all uh, five of these examples, I think we had, um, it was, it was said, Matthew in particular, takes great care to point out that this is exactly what the prophets had written hundreds of years before and it happened exactly like they said it would. Um, note that the, in about in the, the five examples that we looked at, um, the, the predictions were detailed. Did you notice that? I mean, you're dealing with a certain level of detail when you talk about giving the exact location of Jesus' birth. Um, the occupation, which we would have. You know, if you want to predict someone's life, to predict where they're going to be born, what their job's going to be, right? Did you notice that when they went to the, uh, uh, they gathered people together to ask them where the Christ would be born? And they quoted that, um, that prophecy from, what was that, Micah? and thou Bethlehem in the land of Judah are not least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people, or rule, or feed, or shepherd my people Israel. So not only was that prophecy give the location of Messiah's birth, but also this individual that was predicted, whose life was predicted ahead of time, his occupation, a governor, a ruler, a shepherd, one who he will feed. So the location was predicted, his occupation was predicted, and then in our, I think our second... Example or we might be on to the third one now, because I skipped the first one that we read about oh yeah. Um that his birth would be um from a virgin. Um that that this one who was born not only would he be born from a virgin, but he would be God. It says the virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth the Son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. So we're really kind of building up the way the Bible predicted the coming of this. Special one, this anointed one, this one who was marked out with God. The prophecy was very detailed, um, to the de- to the degree to which um, it was humanly unforeseeable. Uh, you could predict some things, like uh, I think it's going to rain tomorrow. Do you know what I mean? Well, it's like, well done. You know, there's a certain percentage chance that it's going to rain on any g- given day of the year, anyway, right? So, biblical prophecy it was beyond what was humanly foreseeable it was beyond actual the, uh, it couldn't humanly fulfilled uh, you know these were things that were impossible like like uh, virgin's having babies and stuff pretty pretty impossible um and it was as i said it was very detailed we've been gone through it it, it the the prophecies went on to give very specific uh, details of his life um you know the the flight to Egypt coming out of egypt, uh the catastrophe uh, with the the children uh being being killed by Herod and the pain and the sorrow and the suffering and the, the crying that was going to come from that, the mourning that was going to come from that that was predicted, and then of course uh, another detail of his life being predicted that um that he would be called the Nazarene and so there their association with the town of Nazareth and the fact they lived there. So like here, just in the Christmas story, I mean, there's many more prophecies of Messiah and what his life would be like. But right here, um, not only was it Christmas predicted ahead of time, but it was predicted in detail. And we tend to take these things for granted. We tend to forget that we hold a book in our hands. I don't know of any other book On planet Earth, has ever accurately predicted the future, whereby several of those predictions have already happened exactly like this book said it was going to happen. That's a little bit remarkable, isn't it? You get to be a Christian. You get to have this book, to understand this book by the Holy Spirit. Um, So at one point that I want to acknowledge, my first point was simply that. Christmas was a predicted ahead of time. It was predicted in detail. Note that um, it must have been pretty hard for someone before all this was fulfilled to have fully understand or put these things together. Right. Do you notice that um, we had multiple verses that pertain to like where he was like from? Um, like in, in verse 6, it said that um, there was a prophecy that he was going to be born in Bethlehem, Bethlehem. Um, based on Micah 5.2, and thou Bethlehem in the land of Judah are not least among the princes of Egypt, princes of Judah, I'm sorry. But then in verse 15, um, they have the other prediction that said, out of Egypt I have called my son. And then in verse 23, it says he shall be called the Nazarene. So if you were living before Jesus was born, how would you have interpreted these verses? How would you have put together Predictions of the future that seem to be um, mutually contradictory. They seem to contradict themselves. Do you know what I mean? You're like, well, how could you be born in Bethlehem and called a a Nazarene, which is someone from Nazareth, and come out of Egypt? It's like, whoa. So my simple note there is that biblical prophecy can be difficult to understand because it's detailed, but not impossible. Because you notice that those guys in Jerusalem got it right when they said it's this one here in Micah out of Bethlehem. They didn't say, oh, we don't know. We're confused because we've got this one verse about Bethlehem. We've got one verse about Egypt and one verse about Nazareth. So we really don't know how to answer your question, wise men. No, they said this is it right here out of Bethlehem. So, yes, biblical prophecy can be detailed. It can be hard to understand, but not impossible with the help of God and God's just grace in our minds just to, Get all the details and trust Jesus to help us in it. Um, So, that kind of helps us. Just in my first point here, Christmas was predicted ahead of time. That helps us that we shouldn't throw out biblical prophecy today. Just because it may be hard to understand. Just because it may be detailed. Just because there may be people with um, contradicting views. It doesn't mean to say someone hasn't got it right. Just logical deduction here. It doesn't mean to say... That someone hasn't got it right, and there aren't things that, through prudence and trust in God and the Holy Spirit, that we can tell about the future uh, from the things the Bible has predicted. Praise God. And just as a just as a final um, little sub point to my first point, Christmas was predicted ahead of time. Praise God. But um, the the Christmas, of course, as we know, is not the only example of something, an event that has been Predicted by the Bible in detail. It's not the only example of it. There's many, many other fulfilled prophecies from the Bible that have already happened. I think, of course, chiefly about the time of the demise of the uh, of the, um, the the kingdoms of Israel. You know, um, what followed on from the, the Davidic kingdom, uh, the, the uh, Israel and Judah, and the time of their d- demise through the prophets. There was multiple, multiple prophecies concerning exactly what would happen to them at the hands of Assyria, at the hands of Babylon. It was predicted ahead of time, and it happened exactly like it was predicted. Um, And of course, their repatriation under the Medes and coming back in uh, Jerusalem being repatriated and rebuilt, that was all predicted ahead of time, and it happened exactly like it was predicted. So Christmas... Was a pretty hard time, but it's not, of course, our only example of um, uh, fulfilled biblical prophecy. Of course, and just as a further side note on that, two of my favourite um, fulfilled biblical prophecies. One of them, because of its level of detail, I love how Isaiah predicted um, the coming uh, of um, Cyrus as uh, as a as a ruler and um, as as one that would, you know. God would use to bring the Jews back. I really love that prophecy, first of all, because it happened 150 years before that Cyrus ever lived. And second of all, the Medes were not even uh, a regional power at the time when he predicted that. They weren't even on, it would be like saying, hey everybody, there's going to be a president coming out of Nigeria who's going to, it's like, Nigeria? It's like, they aren't even like a, a world superpower. What are you talking about? And giving the guys name. That's crazy. To name a name 150 years or so ahead of time and for it to happen, I love that. Do you know, did ever ever ask you at work or anything? What? You... Oh, you're not one of those people that believe the Bible, are you? Yes, yes I am. <laughs> Unashamedly so. And would you like to know why? Good. Amen. Apart from the fact that this book is the only book that ever has been able to explain what in the world happened to me when I met Jesus Christ... But this is the only book on planet Earth that has accurately predicted the future and will do so again. But apart from that one on Cyrus, my other favorite one, of course, is the repatriation of Israel and the reestablishment of Israel as a nation and as a people group gathered to their home. Because that is like a modern example. You know, 1949, 1967, um, to see that happening. And once again, although... Getting back to my previous point I made, although biblical prophecy can be hard, you've got to be careful, people have correctly interpreted it in the past. You go back there into that library or go into my office and you open up Matthew, uh, Adam Clark's commentary, okay? Adam Clark took Daniel's prophecies, the prophecy of the weeks, and he says, this is when Israel is going to be reestablished. He predicted 1967, or, you know, based on not their first repatriation, but their final get in Jerusalem, you know. So other people, and you can read quotes from the men of God. Some of these uh, hymn writers, Boner and these other people that were around in the 1700s and the 1800s, they all said, Israel will be reestablished as a nation. They correctly interpreted and predicted the future through the Bible. So though it can be hard, though it can be tricky, it's not that it's never been done and it can't be done. We can rely upon this book. Praise God. So point number one, Christmas was predicted ahead of time. Simple points today. Point number two, the Bible has other predictions about the future that have not yet happened. Of course, just being kind of really obvious here, but it's really, all of us really, really exciting. We just kind of take these things for granted. Christians. The, the, the things that the Bible predicts about the future are utterly remarkable. Take, for example, Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, verse 11. While Jesus is going up into the clouds, the angel said, You men of Galilee, why are, stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as as ye have seen him go into heaven. He's coming back. He's coming back through the clouds. It's going to happen. We know it, of course. But the Bible predicts the future. Um, One one of the things, not only is he going to come back, but he's going to govern, of course. Because when we read um, from Matthew chapter 2, and we read in... um, the, the Micah chapter 5 one. It says, it says he will govern his people. Is that fulfilled or unfulfilled prophecy? Unfulfilled. Has Je- Jesus never came his first time round and governed Israel. There's a governor that's coming back. He's going to shepherd his people. He's going to rule the world. Hallelujah. Um, so, the, the, so there are things the Bible predicts that we can take equal confidence in based on the, the, its reliability in the past. The promises to Israel. The promises to Israel. If you read um, the, the, the prophets, and I'm reading Isaiah right now, and when I read Isaiah, the promises to Israel, right. Right. It's, it, they're out of this world. And they're they're never ending. Every chapter is just multiple boom 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 boom. This is this 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 this. It might be judgment, but but this is going to happen and this is going to happen. You're like this is just like you can hardly even keep track of them all, all the tremendous out of this world promises to Israel. I'll just give you one brief example. This is just randomly taken from a chapter that I read this week, Isaiah, and this all over, Isaiah. It's all over the prophets, but Isaiah 51. I was reading this, this week, and I thought, you, how could you read this and not be fired up? We have a God. This, our God is in control. He has got the timeline. And we're on the winning side. And it is out of this world, blow your mind, exciting and positive. Uh, Isaiah 51 is a random example. Uh, where was I starting there, Nick? I think I'm starting verse 3. For the Lord shall comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places. And he will make her wilderness like Eden. And her desert like the garden of the Lord. You know, that is happening. It has happened. It is happening. And I believe it's going to happen even more. You know that that Israel was literally a wasteland desert before before the Jews repatriated it? It was relatively unpopulated and it was a wasteland desert. Now, it's like agriculture, it's like dates, it's like bananas, it's like cultivated, it's like irrigated. Um, So, that has partially happened already and is happening. But I believe where it says like Eden, it's literally going to be like that. Praise God. I believe... These promises to Israel—they, uh, although there could be, you know, a degree of symbolism in some of it—they're literally to Israel. They've got to be, because when these prophecies were written, there was no church, and they had to be literally correct at the time to Israel, or the Bible's not true. See. Um, so where was it? Yeah, I was just given Isaiah 51 as an example of other predictions that the Bible has that have, haven't happened yet. And they're all super positive and super amazing. Uh, Isaiah 51, verse 4. Hearken unto me, my people, and give ear unto me, O my nation. For a law shall proceed from me, and I will make my judgment to, to rest for a light for the people. My righteousness is near, my salvation has gone forth, and mine arms shall judge the people The islands, the isles, shall wait upon me, and on mine arm shall they trust. Lift up your eyes to the heavens, and look upon the earth beneath, for the heavens shall vanish away like like the smoke, and the earth shall wax old like a garment, and they that dwell therein shall die in like manner, but my salvation shall be forever, and my righteousness shall not be abolished. Wow. Absolutely staggering predictions from the Word of God that will come true. Um, uh, I'm just talking about things that the Bible promises. We've talked about the return of Christ. We've talked about the governance of Christ. We're talking about promises to Israel. Um, uh, Or or you could talk about the tribulation. I believe that some of this in this verse we just read pertains to the tribulation. It talks about, um, um, and they that dwell therein shall die in like manner, whether it's the final judgment or tribulation. But there's going to come a time, the Bible predicts there's going to time, come a time of suffering on the face of the earth like none other that's ever been before it. You could talk about um, isolated incidents of intense suffering on planet earth like the bubonic plague in the dark ages when what? A third of the, um, a third of the population of Europe was literally like wiped out through disease. You could talk about times. You I mean you could talk about World War One, World War Two, times where people thought the world was coming to an end. Right. I believe that the tribulation is going to be all of that, but more intense at the same time. Does that sound pretty bad? But the good news never ends. The good news never ends. Uh, turn to um, Psalm ninety-one. Now, I don't know if I'm way off with this. I, I, didn't, I didn't get this from any other Bible commentator but myself. So you can, you can quote me on this 10 years' time and tell me I was crazy. But I, I, I believe that, um, you know, there's, there's some slightly different interpretations with regards to biblical prophecy. But as far as I know, most Christians believe that in some way, shape, or form, Christians are going to be delivered from the tribulation. Now, some people believe that they'll be literally taken out of it. Um, Personally, my personal belief, and I I don't kind of have an axe to grind or try and enforce things or be divisive about it, but personally, I believe that we'll be delivered in it. That's just my belief. Here we go, Psalm 91. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him will I trust. Only with thine eyes they shall behold and see the reward of the wicked, because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation. There it is right there. Just as the children of Israel in the ten plagues, it was literally all around them, but it didn't touch them. It was pitch black everywhere, but not in Goshen. There was frogs everywhere, but their houses, the frogs didn't go inside them. I I believe that literally... You know, and I I don't have to be right about this, I could be wrong about it, but God is good. And it's gonna you could take something as dark and you read you read the book of Revelation, man, it gets pretty heavy, pretty dark. Right. You know? But when you look at God and the salvation of God and the redemption of God and the power of God, you could only be excited. You cannot fear. That's the application of this. We cannot fear when you look at the news. (laughs) and you worry about this uh, political persuasion or that political persuasion or what's going to happen in our nation, there's nothing to be afraid of. There's nothing to be afraid of at all. God, God is in charge of the timeline. And anything that happens is only going to play into our hands for the glory of God. Praise God. So, um, So, yeah, my second point was simply that the Bible also has other predictions about the future that have not been fulfilled, whether it's the... Uh, the return of Christ, the promises to Israel, tribulation. Um, or the judgment. The Bible predicts that there will be a judgment of every single person living on planet earth. Matthew chapter 25, Jesus gave it out of his own mouth. And when it came to the judgment, he didn't say the kingdom of God is like. He didn't say any likes in that paragraph. He says, when the Son of Man comes in all his glory... And he separates um, the, uh, the sheep and the goats. He said, literally, there will be a judgment, and there will be two judgments. And one of them is, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into your rest. And one of them is, depart from me, you worker of iniquity, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Okay, so the Bible has other predictions about the future, which we can take equal confidence in. And thirdly and finally... Not only was Christmas predicted ahead of time, let's not forget it. Not only does the Bible have other predictions that will be fulfilled and we can take equal confidence in. But that we we should believe, third and final point, that all the other things in the word of God will happen. We should be fired up. We should take great excitement and confidence that the future is bright as the promises of God. And not only take confidence that those promises will be fulfilled. We should take confidence in the God that gave the promises. If God can do all of that for Israel, can he, can he take care of our daily issues and problems and challenges and things, situations that we're trusting in? I think he can. Um, so as I just said a few minutes ago, we should not give in to a spirit of fear. Um, irregardless of what China and Russia are doing. Regardless of the political climate in our nation, we should not give in to a spirit of fear. The devil wants us to be afraid. Jesus wants us to be unafraid. We should take great confidence, hope, and excitement that crazy stuff's happening, and out of it all, the gospel will be preached. God will be glorified. in this whole unbelieving world, the closer we get, the more it will be undeniable. The more we'll say, we told you so. Not in an arrogant way. We're not trying to rub your face in it. We we told you so because we love you and and we want you to be there too. We told you so and it's just going to be more and more and more of that told you so as time goes on. Get excited. Merry, Merry. Merry Christmas.